It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Today. We got a very special guest for you guys today, Mr. Chris Peters. We're going to be talking all things draft. Stay tuned to find out. Short and simple intro. Welcome in, uh, Chris. How you doing? Brandon, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, it's it's always good to to be talking hockey, talking draft, and it's you know finally almost there. So that that feels even better. I know it's it comes it comes quick, you know. And when yeah. you uh, the Kings have been knocked out quite early in the standings as of late, uh, and so the debate over you know Stussel or Byfield or who to take at five uh, had, was you know endless months of debates. And now, you know, with a little bit of playoff luck, it it, come, it sneaks up on you. Yeah, you know, it does, it, I'm sure it does, especially for the people that have been you know tracking the playoffs. I mean, for me, it just it it feels like it took forever to get here. Um, you know, at that mm-hmm. at, at at the same time. Um, you know, you always think you have more time than you do in a, in a, in the given draft season. So in that way it does sneak up and you're just like, Oh wow, I got to get my dra- final rankings out and all this other stuff. But, but yeah, but once you finally get there and you're just like, man, I, you know, I don't know if I can think much more about this class and, and looking forward to moving on to the, <laughs> to the next one, you know, and, and, and just getting ready for that. But, um, you know, it's been another weird draft season too, where you, we had a lot of leagues and different things that, that didn't go all the way through, or, you know, had to pause for COVID reasons or we lost the world juniors two days into it this this past time so um yeah it's just it's been it's been a strange year and i'm looking forward to next season because it feels like that'll be the closest to a true draft season but you know i've i've definitely embraced the challenge of of the kind of season that we had um the last few seasons that we've had where we kind of had to do things a little bit differently than normal just to make sure that we're, we're we're making the most of the time that we do have yeah, I'm sure it's been interesting for you as well, moving from ESPN to the daily face-off and everything like that. New beginnings, new draft season, uh, just kind of, kind of taking over. A lot of change, huh? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's that's I guess that's the nature of the media business as well. You know, it's a pandemic cut from ESPN, and then timing was pretty crappy because they ended up getting the rights shortly thereafter, <laughs> um, which didn't make me feel too good. And then I was on my own for a while as well, and. You know, basically did the draft um, on my own site last year and then was lucky enough to get picked up by Daily Faceoff. And, 
yeah, it's it's been it's been a whirlwind couple of a uh, couple of years, but I really appreciate you know Frank Saravalli for for bringing me on there and and learned a lot from him and learned a lot from the rest of the staff that we have. Um, and it was just nice to be able to put my uh, put my rankings out on a, on a platform there that it was going to reach a lot of people. Usually I was behind a paywall. Um, this has been you know free and available to anybody that wants to check it out on dailyfaceoff.com, which is, you know, uh, it, it has its positive, you know, obviously it reaches more people that way, but it also uh, it reaches more people and they like to. <laughs> they they uh, they have their own like to tear you up. Huh? Things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens from time to time. But um, but yeah, but I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed uh, enjoyed that challenge. Well, I think that's an interesting segue to the first topic here because this might be quite divisive. Is uh, Cooley on top? So your rankings came out, and you know, as far as uh, where you would rank the not the mock draft, but where you would rank the uh, the prospects there. And you've had typical number three overall, Logan Cooley, as your number one. So maybe tell fans why you why you put him there and over Shane Wright, and 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 you're off. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think um, the the general. The, the simplest explanation is, so I've, I've had Cooley at the top since my mid-season board. Um, that came out right after the canceled World Juniors. Um, and that was a, a feeling that I had kind of started generating over the course of the season. And Shane Wright didn't have the best start to his year. And so that at least allowed the possibility to entertain other players at the top. Um, and... And so I took that time to just investigate which of the players. And, and at that point in the midseason, Uri Slavkovsky hadn't played in the Olympics yet. You know, he hadn't played in the World Championship. He was not producing at a high level. He didn't, he, he looked okay at the World Juniors in the couple of games that Slovakia played. So it wasn't like he was really bursting onto the scene at that point. But Logan Cooley was. He made Team USA, was their number two center at the World Juniors. Um, he looked great there when, when he was playing. And then, you know, obviously everything got shut down. So, that was disappointing to, to, to lose that because it, we had Slavkovsky, Wright, and Cooley all there at the same time, which would have been nice to see. But but the reason that Cooley jumped up to number one for me um, and, and stayed there is because I think he's the most dynamic player in this draft. I think he is the best skater of, of, those, of those three players. Um, he has a track record of production. He's shown tremendous improvement year over year. Um, and you know, I think that basically he plays the style of game that you are watching in the playoffs right now. He is competitive. He is fast. He is, uh, he processes the game at an incredibly fast pace. The thing is, is that this year's draft and the reason that there is so much debate is that none of the three guys that we've been talking about is the potential number one. And I'm really the only one that's talking about Cooley as being the number one pick, but I do know that there are teams out there that, that like him quite a bit. Um, the, the, the reason that it's there's debate is because none of these guys have necessarily produced at the level that you would expect from a number one overall pick. And so that's kind of something that we've been talking about all year is that nobody's really seized the number one spot, not even Shane Wright. He had a good season. It wasn't an amazing season. He wasn't even the leading scorer on his own team. Um, you know, that is one of those things where you just don't often see that. Um, that said, you know, he and Cooley, if you if you wait the wait the two leagues, their production was very similar. Um, they both averaged about 1.4 points per game over the course of the season. The reason Slavkovsky I'm a little bit lower on is because, you know, we haven't seen we've seen him dominate in international tournaments, but at the club level, he hasn't necessarily played at the level that you would expect of a top tier guy. And so I do have some concern about, you know, how that would all work. I would say that probably of the three, Slavkovsky is the most NHL ready because I think if you put him with skilled players, he would thrive in that scenario. He's also the biggest of the three. Um, but in the end, it all came back to 
Cooley's hockey his, his combination of speed, skill, hockey sense, competitiveness. Um, the fact that he's not the biggest didn't bother me. Um, he's only about an inch and a half shorter than Shane Wright anyway. Um, you know, it's not really that that big of a deal to me. I just think that he plays the style of game that that is the way that the NHL is going. And of the three players, I think the ceiling is highest on Cooley because of his skill level and where he's gone from year to year. Um, there's still room for him to get stronger and be better. And I think he could be a star if everything goes right for him. Do you think players like maybe Capo Caco and, and, and you're off that come in out of nowhere during the season is from over scouting of players like Shane Wright, who have been on the scene for, for three plus years. Um, You know, I, I think it's just the natural progression of a draft year. Typically, you know, I think that uh, we, that we have guys that we think, our top end at the beginning of the year. And then you just don't see the progression. You don't see them go further, but then you have a guy like a Slavkovsky or like a Capococco in his draft year, where he just shot up all the way and just was continuing to, uh, um, to, to, to improve and then played his best hockey in the playoffs and the world championship. And then all of a sudden you're saying, wow, this guy just keeps winning. Um, you know, that's, that's where you start seeing some of that separation, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think in the in the end, guys like Shane Wright, they almost get a pass for a while because with all the focus has been on them. But then they're like, "Oh, we don't have to worry about that. We'll go watch other pe- players." But then you know, you still do have to watch. And, and I think that what you're seeing now is what scouts have been kind of watching is saying, "Okay, well, he's not where we thought he would be by this point. These other players are trending up, um, and they've had." You know, in Cooley's case, he was the best forward at the World Under-18 Championship. In Slavkovsky's case, he was the MVP of the Olympics and then also Slovakia's best player at the World Championship. So, you know, we're, they had those, like, last impressions that were very strong as well, which it's not just recency bias. It's it's the it's the, the culmination of a season-long evaluation. Um, you know, so it's not just that they did well there, that people are all, like, you know, like, yeah, let's get them, let's move them ahead. I, I mean, I, I did it at midseason for Cooley and – you know, ultimately the decision came down to what were the reasons that I had him number one at the midseason, and did they change? And they didn't for me. Um, he was still the most dynamic, skilled player. So um, that's kind of yeah, it, it can happen. It could certainly happen that way, but I, I don't think it's as. Uh, I just think it's more about the natural progression of a season and the way that players you know kind of rise and fall. Nice. In a, in a recent mock draft for Hockey Royalty at HockeyRoyalty.com. Uh, Lane Hudson fell into uh, the laps of, of Kings fans here in the second round. You have him with a mid-first round grade. Obviously, uh, pint size, to say the least, uh, is the main issue with, with a lot of people uh, you know, assessing his talent level or how far he could go. I've heard that only half the teams at the draft even talked to the kid. Uh, I also heard that he uh, met with an endocrinologist saying that his bone density is, is or bone age is younger than what he is. And he still has a chance to grow. I don't know what you heard coming out of the the combine and and where your feeling is on Lane Hudson, but like talk about his game and then talk about what your feeling is about him potentially playing NHL hockey. Yeah. So full disclosure, Lane Hudson's been my favorite player in this class the entire year. Um, not you know the, just the guy that I hope makes it, the guy that I hope proves people wrong because I love the way that he plays. Um, and he is he is the most dynamic defenseman in this draft class. He's got great skill, tremendous puck skills, great passing ability, elite vision, elite hockey sense. 
um, you know, a deceptive skater, but he's five foot eight, 158 pounds. And that is, it is a factor when you are a defenseman in the NHL, it is very difficult to play at that height and weight. Um, it's not unprecedented. Obviously we have guys like Jared Spurgeon, Tori Krug that aren't the biggest guys, but like in Krug's case, he became like a pit bull and just bulked up like crazy and had a tremendous lower body strength and all this other stuff. Um, I did hear about the endocrinologist. Uh, I actually heard about that before the combine um, and, you know, about the work that's being done to just kind of address why, you know, he does seem a little bit developmentally behind. You look at Lane Hudson, you say, is, uh, is he somebody's little brother? Is he a stick boy? Like that kind of thing. And so he hasn't really had that physical growth. Um, he does have an older brother as well that, that grew late um, and he's five foot 11 now. Um, so there is a chance that that happens. And if it does, it's great. And I think if he was legitimately, if he was 5'11", I think he's a top 10 pick, you know, and that's, that's size does matter. But, um, I think, you know, to me, he has the chance to be a, a, a star defenseman. It's just a matter of, you know, does a team believe that he can do that? Will they give him enough time to get stronger, to develop? Um, so here's the interesting thing about Lane Hudson. When you see a guy like him, and you say, okay, well, he's five foot eight, 158 pounds. He is, you know, like, how, how can he possibly defend anybody? And then you watch him, and he has the best defensive stick in this draft. He has, you know, he is around the puck constantly. He is hounding the opposition. He is a, an immense competitor. And you just say, man, if he were only, you know, if, if you continue to say, man, if he were only bigger, but then he keeps making plays, you have to at some point believe that he can can do it. So, um, I have him, you know, in, in that that like lower third of the first round. Um, I think that he has a chance to go um, earlier. I think it's more likely he goes later. I think it's even likely that he slips out of the first round altogether. However, if he does manage to slip and there's a team that I, I don't think he would last very long in that second round because he's worth taking a chance on. Um, because of the skill, because of the competitiveness, all of those things. So I think the player is 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 pretty special. I think he could be a top four defenseman if um, you know he does get a little bit bigger and if he's able to tack on more muscle and and you know everything goes well. Um, you're you're obviously taking a big risk if if you're just banking on that to happen though. So uh, teams do have to be careful, but I think the player himself is is is. An exceptional talent, and I hope that he does go in the first round because I do believe he belongs in that range, especially in this year's class. And I think that he's going to have a chance to prove a lot of people wrong here um, if, if everything goes right for him. Yeah, I think with him being going, uh, he's going to the NCAA, I believe Notre Dame, correct? He's going to Boston University. Boston so, University, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, you know, the NCAA, is, they play less games. They can focus a lot more on uh, building his body and, and getting in the weight room, and so this might be the best – um, avenue for him to eventually make uh, the NHL. Yeah, I, I, I think that he is a guy that's going to need time and he's going to need two to three years in college and and you're going to need him to to show that you could be that. But, you know, you look at right now at the, the top two, the, the last two Norris Trophy winners were college hockey players and you look at how they developed. I mean, Adam Fox needed to get a lot stronger. He needed to become a better skater. He needed to be better, you know, Kale McCarr took an extra year of college. He probably didn't need it, but he took it because he felt it was going to help him get better. And I think you look at a guy like Lane Hudson and he doesn't fit the, the physical profile of those two guys, but he's going on that same path. And if you give him the time and development, I think it's going to work out great for him. 
Going into the next topic, Mark Eddie constantly talks about a tiered approach and how the Kings draft and drafting uh, for the tier, taking best player available because you're ultimately trying to get the best hockey player and not drafting for team need. Uh, where do you have the tiers in this draft? I, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, there's like thir- top 13 or top 12 or top 14. Where's that tier for you? And is, is there somebody in that tier that could fall to the Kings at 19 in your opinion? Yeah, so my, my tiers are... Uh little bit so like one basically i ended up with six tiers of my top 100 essentially so um and the top tier for me is one to three it's right cooley slavkovsky that's that's i think there's a significant drop off from there the next is four to 11 for me um and could there be guys that fall in that range from my personal board absolutely uh you know like Frank Nazar could slip a lot further than I expect him to, or, um, you know, there, there could be uh Danila Yurov is number 11. So how far does he drop? Is he in the mix? And he's, you know, our, our team's going to take Russians. You don't know. The next tier is a little bit bigger. It goes 12 to 25 for me, where I still think that you, you have guys that are, have potential impact players. They're upside. They have good upside. And then after that, it's like 26 to 39, 40 to 74, 75 to hundred. That's kind of how I have it. And, and those tiers, you know, obviously like, you know, 40 tier four is like likely to play in the NHL tier five is like, they have upside, but I don't know if they're going to make it. And then tier six is maybe that like it, um, you know, so I, I would say that the, the Kings are, are sitting in a good spot. I think 19 is still a very uh, strong place where you can find a lot of different players. You're going to have your pick. I think there's going to be a number of defensemen available there. Hudson very well could be there, you know, Ryan Chesley, um, you know, is there somebody that could potentially fall even further than that? Um, you know, I, I think about guys like Matthew Savoy, how far is, you know, he seems to be kind of trending down. Is he going to be available, um, in the later stages of the first round? It's really tough to say. Um, we just don't know yet. And I think the thing about being at 19 is it's a good spot because there's going to be good value there, but it's also a tough spot because what happens around you could go so many different directions. So it's really hard to anticipate the, the type of player that'll be there. I think that, you know, within the tier system, 19 is well within the range to still land an impact prospect. So that's the good news. And then, as you mentioned, there's a chance to trade the pick as well. You know, like there's, there's a chance to move that pick or, or trade down or do whatever with it. Um, and they'll know, they'll know pretty early on in that, in that first round as the, as it progresses, what they want to do, what's going to be available and and how they want to proceed with that pick. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a very unpredictable first round, I think. In uh, in one of your other articles, you said what you know on what teams need to assess in this draft. You put keep stockpiling for the Los Angeles Kings, uh, being that there is no positional need for them to take in the first round uh, in their prospect pool. Uh, there's been plenty of stuff on Twitter that they need a, a bigger left-handed defenseman, uh, but I believe forcing a pick is in the first round just for positional need for a team that he might play for two, three years down the line. Uh, it's not the approach they need. Uh, what picks as far as like with your mock draft and and who are some of your favorite players that could be available at that 19th spot that are in that third tier of yours yeah so you know i think a number of a number of guys that that would fit like if you like let's just let's just take that i agree with you that you know you don't want to necessarily go stretch for positions or needs um especially in the first round and just go for you know whatever you just try to pick the best player available but let's just for instance, use those. I would say that two guys that immediately jump to mind is bigger, 
um, you know, lefty, you know, that, that, that can play with, um, you know, pace and, and, and be pretty solid overall. Um, I would say, you know, like there's Owen Pickering from the Swift current Broncos, who's, you know, a brilliant skater at a six foot three in a six foot three frame. He's got some physicality to him. He needs, he, he's raw. He's a bit of a project. You're going to kind of have to wait and see exactly how he's all going to, you know, fill out. And, and also if is the hockey sense going to be there, you know, he's going to, going to need to be thicker um, to play at his size, you know, but he's, I guess he's, yeah, he's, he's bigger. He's like six, four, six, five, even, um, you know, so that's a guy that absolutely could be there in that range. And, and, and it would make sense. Leon Bichelle, same thing. You're looking at a guy who is Swiss played it all year in the Swiss pro league. Um, I'm starting to wonder if he'll even be there uh, for the Kings at that point, um, because he is, you know, really starting to rise up the charts in terms of what he's been able to do. He's six foot five, two twenty, and, you know, hits everything and just, he's physical and mean, but he's also just a tremendous skater, you know, and the, so, so he's another guy where you say, wow, we could get, we can address a need and we can also get a guy that we think is going to be really solid. Doesn't have a lot of offensive upside, which I think is, you know, the real, I think the Pickering has more offensive upside there. Um, but he's real interesting in that, in that regard. Um, you know, Jagger Furcus is an undersized winger that I have pretty high, you know, like top 15 um, that I think will more than likely not go in the top 15, but um, is real interesting to me. He's a skilled guy. He can make some plays, good scoring ability, really great shot. Um, you know, so that's another kind of, uh, of player you could see there, but I mean, really, you know, I could give you a list of 20 to 30 players that make sense in this range. That's how, you know, dr- dramatic the, the differences are between some of these players. Um, or, or I, aren't i should say because it's really it's they're more like tightly packed together it's like oh i can see that guy this guy the other guy um but you know i think you know if you were just to look off of um you know looking off of my own board even you know guys that would be kind of in that range you know it's ryan chesley a right shot defenseman lane hudson um uh you know luca del balbaluz there's a lot of guys that kind of fit in there so the way that the Kings have operated over the last few years with their prospects, I think it's just simply going to be, they're going to pick the guy that they had next on their list. Um, and whoever that's going to be is probably going to be a good player. Cause they've done really well over these last few years. Um, and as I said, you know, you keep stockpiling, the more assets you have, the, the more options that are available to you to either use them as everyday players or to move on from them um, in trades and whatever else, there's still so much you can do with, uh, with, those picks and and those prospects that you're continuing to stockpile up. Yeah, I've been a big proponent of them taking uh, Ivan Miro Tushenko, um just because I think he'll be there uh, with the cancer news. And I think, he, like you said in your evaluation, that he's probably a top five, top ten pick uh, if the health was there all season long. And you just go for the high upside player because the pool is so deep. So I've been yeah. hammering that drum. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense to me for sure. Going into the next topic, between the pipes, uh, this is the first year in, in quite a while that the there hasn't been a first round goalie in the discussion. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of scouts even say that there shouldn't be a goalie taken in the first two rounds, uh, with it being kind of a weak. I don't know if you necessarily agree with that. Um, and then, who are some of your goalies that maybe the Kings should take uh, a shot at that have a potential to to break through? Yeah, so I do agree. My first goalie on my board isn't isn't even on there until seventy third, um, you know, and I think that might be high. Um, but 
Uh, Tyler Brennan is that goaltender replaced for Prince George. Um, he it's a total upside play. His numbers were fair this year. He was on a on a on not a great team, and and but he has that prototypical size. He's got the athleticism. He's got some real good potential to be to be a good goalie. Um, and I and I like him quite a bit. You know, I think that the in terms of the upside. But again, it's like you know that's not a guy that I would take until the third round. Um, Topias Leinen is the top European goalie this year from Finland. Same thing. Great size. I have concerns about his pre-shot reads, his, you know, his, his hockey sense overall. And just he, he did not have a good under-18 world championship, which gave me a lot of concern. I thought he was, you know, a, a weak link on his team. But you see the size, the athleticism, the different things that he can do. And you say, well, there's there's something there. There's upside there. Um, this will be interesting because there are a couple of I think some of the best goalies in this class are under six foot two. And goal and some teams will just say under six foot two, no thanks. See you later. We're not going to do it. Um, but guys that are under six foot two that I think at least have a chance, and this is it's it's a long shot. So these are gonna be guys that you'd pick later. Um, Sergey Ivanov, who is uh, a Russian, you know, obviously Russian goalie and about five foot eleven, um, very quick and competitive. He battles for a lot of pucks. He kind of reminds me a little bit of UC Saros, just in the size profile and the way that he battles, but I think Saros was he he's a unicorn. Like he's one of the few guys that at five foot ten, you're like, that guy is unbelievable. Takes up a lot of net, or he's quick enough to you know to recover. But a lot of teams are just going to chase size, and and so you got that. And then you also have Hugo Havilid, who was the goalie for Sweden in their gold medal game. They beat Team USA. He was the biggest reason they won. They were vastly outshot, and he just made every save that you could ask him to make, pretty much in that game, and, and kept his team in it. So you know those are a number of, of guys, and I think the sleeper of the group is probably Reed Dick, who was uh, Canada's goalie at the World Under 18s, and. Um, he played on a top, you know, on that same Swift current team that you're going to hear a lot of guys drafted from, even though they were pretty poor this year. Um, and, and Reed Dick is, he's got that athleticism, that competitive drive. You see it, you know, he fights for pucks. He's, he's battling traffic. He can do a lot of different things. Um, so I do think that he's another guy that will, will, will certainly be picked and, uh, you know, at least has some, some upside to be an NHL goalie. Thank you for coming on again. We got one more topic here for you. Um, and I second or third round gems. Kings have had some some quite a few uh, from the likes of Brock Faber, Arthur Kalia, Vakil Thomas in recent years, uh, Francisco Pinelli. Where where do you think that there could be some gems here? Obviously, maybe p- players in your top thirty that fall, or maybe you know players that I see right here at at fifty three, David Goyet uh, from Sudbury, who has high offensive skill, but maybe didn't maybe lacks the consistency that a good coaching or a good development team could get out of him. Yeah, you know he he's really interesting. I just I just would like to see him just be a little better game in game out. Um, you know, I, I thought it, his under eighteen worlds was a was a pretty poor last impression, and you know I just worry about you know compete sometimes um, there and, and and overall hockey sense. But he's he's obviously skilled and fast, so you know Goyad is certainly a guy that you could you could probably get in the second round and and be happy with. You know, I'll be very interested to see. Um, where Jack Hughes from, and not you know another Jack Hughes, but this one plays for Northeastern, and his dad's the GM of of Montreal. You know, I think that he's one of those guys that has played below his standard for a while, which is obviously a concern. You don't like to see that when a guy's playing below their standard, but I think that there's still a lot of skill in there, a lot of craftiness, and I think he could be a guy that you know whoever gets him probably in the second round. Um, is going to have a guy that, that at least has potential. He's got a long way to go. He's got to get stronger. He's got to be better. He just didn't have a lot of points this season. 
Um, he was kind of in the first round conversation for a lot of the year. That's a guy to keep an eye on in that second round. Um, you know, I think Reed Schaefer, if he falls to the second round, playing for Seattle right now, um, had a great postseason run. They fell just short the WHL championship, but he was a big part of it. You know, he's got some power to his game. Um, decent skater, not amazing, uh, but but a goal scorer with skill and good hands and and, and a good competitive drive. So he's uh, he's interesting as well. And then, you know, I mean, at that point, I, I think really anywhere the guys that I have on my on my list on daily faceoff, you go all the way down to you know sixty and maybe a little bit further. Um, you know, six, yeah, even, even further than that, I'd say like 65 to 70. Um, those are all guys that I think could very easily be solid second round picks that, you know, in this class, they could, they could make, uh, make a difference for a team. Uh, but yeah, it's just there, there's a lot of guys that you just don't know. There's a lot of maybes in this class, a lot of guys that have, you know, this flaw or that flaw that gives you pause about them. So I think there are fewer true first round talents in this draft, but there's a lot of, guys that you would normally see in a second round, third round situation that could be uh, providing some real value to the teams that take them. Yeah. It'd be quite interesting to see how the board falls. I think with this draft, like you said, you know, and the, the, how, the way the scouting went this year and how teams view certain players, I think there's gonna be a lot of what were they thinking or reaches or cause if they like a certain guy, uh, they go out and get them and maybe other people didn't because of the amount of uh, the amount of scouting or lack of scouting for certain regions. Uh, Chris Peters, it has been a phenomenal time. Thank you again for coming on. You guys can find him at Chris M. Peters on Twitter. Give him a follow. All his stuff is for the daily face-off is coming out. Do you have uh, any any columns that you want to plug that are coming out shortly? Uh, you know, I think we'll we'll be getting our, our mock drafts going here. We'll have a two-round mock draft coming up pretty soon. And I also have a piece coming out about the best prospects at, e at each uh, skill. So uh, that'll be coming out soon as well on daily face-off. Yeah, follow him on Twitter for those releases. Uh, as always, thank you for our sponsor, DraftKings, promo code THPN, uh, hockey underscore royalty on Twitter. You can find all of the articles coming out daily at hockeyroyalty.com. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate your time and uh, and hope to talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Brandon. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks again for Chris Peters to coming on here on Hockey Royalty, talking all things draft. It wouldn't be possible without our best sponsor, DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at even a bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook and sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank you, Kings fans. <laughs> 